This my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, we are going to start off this morning again in Luke, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 9. And we're in the series on the miracles of the New Testament. One of my fathers in the faith, Fred Price, taught us that when we read the Bible, we should look for patterns and principles. And he said, once you see a pattern, once you see a principle in the Word of God, you can implement that pattern or principle in your own life. And once you implement that pattern or principle in your own life and you get an answer from the Lord, well, then you know it works for you and you can repeat that process over and over because God's word is true. God's word is true. It's not a matter of whether or not God's word is true. It's a matter of whether or not we have made it true in our lives. So what we're doing in 2023 is walking through the miracles of the New Testament, looking for patterns and principles and learning lessons. We're gonna be learning some lessons this morning about the origin of sickness and how to minister to people. If God's people could learn how to look for and then apply the patterns and principles they see in these miracles in the New Testament, apply those patterns and principles to their own lives, they could live their lives and hardly have an unmet need. Now, the miracle we're going to be looking at this morning directly follows the miracle we dealt with last Sunday. Let's pick up there. Matthew 9, 27, as Jesus went from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And I want you to notice, the reason I'm starting here is I want you to notice the position. Not just the theological, but also the heartfelt position of God. And somebody might say, well, we're, we're reading about Jesus. Jesus said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. There's this thing going on in the evangelical world right now. People want to love Jesus and hate the God of the Old Testament. They're the same person. I mean, there are three personalities within the Godhead, but they're the same. They're not ever, you know, as much as Sue and I are in agreement, we sometimes disagree, but God's not like that in the Godhead. They are in total, absolute, complete agreement. And so these men come to Jesus, blind men, and they say, have mercy on a son of David. And he didn't send him away. He didn't say, well, let me check. Let me pray. Let me see if it's the Father's will to heal you. No, 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 no. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, so he touched them and he spoke to their eyes, spoke to them, and he said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. And of course, this is an issue because people in 2023 like to believe that God's the big commie in the sky and that he treats everybody the exact same way. Well, no, he doesn't. All you've got to do is read Hebrews 11 
Hebrews 11, I think it's verse 9. Without faith, it's impossible. Or is that verse 6? Without, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, of course, we're going to get different results because we're different people. We come from different life experiences. We have uh, different ages. We, we, some of us got saved last week. Some of us got saved, you know, 62 years ago, whatever it was. Amen. And so we're going to have a variety of results. That's why in the Holy Week Revival 2018, Mountain Moving Faith, we talked about how every Christian has been given a measure of faith, a starter package of faith, but it's up to us to grow our faith. It's up to us to grow our faith. Say it out loud. It's up to me to grow my faith. Because if the Lord Jesus says, I mean, what if he showed up in the service this morning and he walked through the room one by one and pointed to us and said, according to your faith, will it be done unto you? Would you want to have great faith or little faith? Well, I'd want to have great faith. Well, that's the answer. And the miracle for today follows. Number 17, Jesus heals a man who was unable to speak. Verse 32, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk. Now, that's interesting. He was demon-possessed and he could not talk. And he was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Seems like a simple solution. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. So the question always comes up, is sickness and disease physical or is sickness and disease spiritual? We've already seen a glimpse of this quandary in the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Hold your place in Matthew 9. Go over to Luke 4.38. Luke 4.38. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. So she got up at once and began to wait on them. So here Jesus spoke to the issue. He rebuked the fever. But the physician Luke doesn't say whether Jesus was rebuking a spirit causing the fever or if Jesus was rebuking the fever itself. Then we get into an, this question, how can we know when we are praying for someone, when we are ministering to someone, if the sickness is physical or whether it is spiritual? Because the miracle this morning, this muteness was caused by a demon spirit. Now, there was no sickness in the world until Adam sinned. So Adam's sin introduced the curse, and with it, sin, sickness, poverty, and death into the world. But this is why it's so important that believers understand that in Christ we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, and I'll give you that in a few minutes. What we have been redeemed from, therefore, has no right, no place, no authority in our lives unless we give it a place unless we give it a place. Because at the end of the day, your free will trumps everything. The great healing pastor and evangelist, John Alexander Dowie said, sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. So there was, <clears throat> there was no sickness, no disease, no pain, no suffering until Adam sinned. 
And in this instance, Matthew 9, 32, the mutinous was caused by a demon. Well, pastor, does that mean there's always a demon? This is why we're into this this morning. That's why we're into these miracles, because there's great variety in these miracles. Now, we know that Jesus came to set people free from demon possession, because Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. And Jesus has also promised to be with us. See, God was with Jesus, but now Jesus has promised to be with us. So we need not be afraid when ministering to others. Repeatedly, Jesus said that he would never leave us or forsake us. And notice the language of Acts 10, 38, how he went around, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. <laughs> so, I mean... We're asking the question, but what I'm beating around the bush saying this morning is, we're asking the question, but the question is kind of a mood issue. Because all sickness and all disease and all pain and all suffering are not the works of God. Can I get an amen? amen. The implication is whether sickness and disease is physical or spiritual, the ultimate cause of the sickness and disease is indeed spiritual. Now, I operate a little different than Jesus. People come to us all the time in that fellowship atrium and, and they tell us what they're going through. And because of my age, I've learned a few things. Because people come up and they say, you know, I've got some pain in my joints. And, and I'll tell them, you know, uh, because I've walked around the circumference of the earth a couple of times walking and praying. Sometimes I feel things in my body. And when I start feeling some things in my body, I've noticed. I'm no MD, but I've noticed. Of course, an MD wouldn't tell you this. they tell you to take a pill. But I've noticed, I've noticed that if I'll eat more raw broccoli, more raw cauliflower, that those pains just seem to go away. Now, see, Jesus never operated that way. But I'm not him. See, Sue and I are pastors, and we want you well. And how you get well doesn't really matter to us. Can you see that? We want you well. And so, you know... If, because I want you well. So, you know, we might say, well, you know, eat your broccoli. <laughs> see, that's a natural cure. But I want you to see in these four Gospels, Jesus, he never approached sickness and disease from any perspective but spiritual. Now, Pastor, if that's the way Jesus operated, why don't you operate like that? Well, I need all the help I can get, and I figure maybe you do too. Can you see that? And then also, I got a prayer list, and it's always a happy day for me to get something off the prayer list because I need my prayer list getting shorter and not longer. Can you see that? So if there's some, and then also I learned from one of my fathers in the faith, John Osteen, 
You know, I used to teach this, and I wondered if I was off a little bit until once Sue and I were down in Houston, and I heard one of my daddies in the faith, John Osteen, say, leave no stone unturned. So he would teach this, you do everything you know to do in the natural, you get right up to the end of what you can do in the natural, and then you believe God to do what you cannot do. Can you see that? And so you've heard me talk about how that this that, that you're looking at is not really me. It's the house I live in, but I've only been given one. And at the end of the day, it's a mammal. And so all the rules apply and I got to take care of it because I've only been given one house to live in. Can you see that? Now take everything I said the last four minutes, set that aside because Jesus dealt with sickness and disease from a spiritual perspective. And I want you to notice that in dealing with something natural, sickness and disease, from a spiritual perspective, he was successful 100% of the time. Now, the Bible records a place over there in Mark chapter 6 where he could do no mighty miracle, but that was not because of impotence on his part. That was because of their lack of faith. Amen. How he went about, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. So I want you to see that whether it is a specific demonic attack or not, the source of sickness and disease is not God. And it's sad to me, but it's still going on in 2023, it's sad to me that Ministers are used by Satan to cast shade on the character of God and imply in their sermons that sometimes it's the will of God to heal, sometimes it's not, and that sometimes people, God will make people sick to teach them. If you try to teach your children by making them sick on purpose, there's a psychological term for that, and they would lock you up and they would put you in prison. And yet people, preachers accuse God of that every Sunday. Say it out loud, sickness and disease, sickness and disease is from the devil, from the devil. And, not of God. and not of God. See, because once you believe the lie that, well, maybe, maybe this is the will of God, you can't fight because you can't fight the will of God. You don't want to fight the will of God. But once you see from the Word of God that sickness and disease are from the devil, well, then, man, you just get armed and dangerous. The implication is whether sickness and disease is physical or spiritual, the ultimate cause of sickness and disease is spiritual. And Jesus gave us authority. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority, exousia, right, privilege, authority, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, that word is different, dunamis, power, might, strength, force, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you. And then we have Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. Verse 18, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When was the last time, though, you laid hands on somebody and prayed the prayer of faith? 
Pastor, how come we don't see more miracles? Well, when was the last time you laid hands on somebody and prayed the prayer of faith? Now, I realize in 2023, we have to be so careful. But when people come to me and ask me for prayer, you might say, well, that's different because you're a minister. Well, <laughs> I've had people ask me for prayer at a gas station. They didn't know who I was. But they, they can see God on you. And they have a problem and they know it. So if someone asks you to pray for them, and when I say lay hands on people, you don't have to be weird. You know, you could just hold your hand out. If they take it, they take it. If they don't take it, well, they don't take it. But if you hold, they, would you pray for me? Sure, you hold your hand out. If they take hold of your hand, well, you're laying hands on them. Amen. You don't have to pretend you're Benny Hinn. You just need to make contact. Amen? Lord, forgive me for using a personal name. <laughs> oh, Lord. But everybody related to it. So you knew what I was talking about. Amen? So as far as authority is concerned, it doesn't matter whether the cause of the disease is physical or spiritual. In recent days, from the spring power lunge forward, I've had my mind on 3 John 2. 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, prosper and be in health, prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. And the reason I've had 3 John 2 on my mind is this. John says he wishes that above all things we might prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And the soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we have an entire generation now suffering in their souls. They're suffering in their minds, their will, their emotions. And this is why we see all this insanity in the culture. And you notice, too, in, the, in what's going on in the culture, frankly, it, you, you know, you have a hard time understanding, is this mental illness or is this demonic oppression? Is this, is this demon possession or is this mental illness? I think it's the same thing as with <coughs> sickness and demon oppression or possession. I think Satan is at work. You know, it's not Bible, but Shakespeare wrote, hell is empty and all the devils are here. But it does say in the book of Revelation that he, he has gone down to the earth full of fury Talking about Satan, Satan has gone down to the earth full of fury because he knows his time is short. And I think that's where we are. I think that's where we are. Now the Lord is, while I'm speaking to you, he's speaking to me and I, I pause for a minute sometimes because I wonder, you know, if it's too much. But all of these insanities are based in when Adam and Eve fell and Father God pronounced judgment. He said that he would put enmity between the serpent and the seed of the woman. And all of these insanities have a common thread. All of these insanities are a war on the seed of the woman, and all of these insanities are a war on the womb. Every one of them. Every one of these insanities. 
It's a war on women. It's a war on children. It's a war on the womb. Can you see that? Which ought to tell you what is of the most highest value in the eyes of God. It's the children. And just in the last 10 days, the driller in chief said that there's no such thing as someone else's children. Well, Beretta, Colt, Smith & Wesson, Winchester, they all are in agreement with me that my children belong to me. I mean, we paid the deductible. We paid the hospital bills. I mean, who the heck bought all those diapers? Who the heck wiped those nasty backsides? Pastor Sue. Right? But they're after the seed of the woman. And if you you castrate a boy, then that hinders future generations. You, you do a hysterectomy on a girl, that destroys future generations. All this, you do an abortion, what are you doing? In other words, every one of these things going on in our so-called culture today is the war on the womb, the war on the seed of the woman. And what does God want? Children. See, and you and I have been given this awesome opportunity. My God, my God, my God, what a privilege. We have been given the awesome opportunity to come together in covenant and produce for God children for him. And of course, then Satan wants that. And he's got, he's got all these players on his team you know, college professors, and uh, he's got all these players on his team to rob Christian families of the seed. It's about the seed. Amen. It's about the seed. And I know, I know, I know that I'm known probably, maybe, as a prosperity preacher, I know. But I told somebody just the other day, I said, your job is to see that your children are raised in such a way that they can live normal lives. That's why you got to keep your children around, uh, away from famous people, celebrity people, because they're all weirdos. You, you know, your children need to be around re real people, and they need to get an education, not where they're brainwashed, but where they're actually prepared to make a living doing something. And then they need to find exactly the right person to become equally yoked so they can live real lives. That's the whole objective. And I told this brother, I said, the rest of it's noise. The car you drive, the home you live in, all of that's noise. I said, the, the most important thing is that you lead and guide, Genesis 18, 19, that you lead and guide your children so that they can have a productive life, a real life. Not some make-believe life. And you understand everything Hollywood connected is make-believe. I think even we watch the, the sports and we think we're watching 
competition. We're not. It came out last year that the NFL decides in advance who's going to go to the Super Bowl. And so it's like watching uh, wrestling, you know. Uh, how did the practice go? See, the only competition that matters, hear me now, the only competition that matters is you are in a battle with the forces of darkness and the forces of darkness, Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there are people and they are asleep and they are asleep in the light. They're in churches and they're asleep and the pastor's asleep and the congregations are asleep and everybody's asleep. And while they're asleep, Satan's coming for the children. He's coming for the children. He's coming for the children, but also he's coming for your health. Yeah, but pastor, I'm born again. Why, why, is the, why is Satan trying to do whatever to me? Well, because if you're born again, he sure doesn't want you to be effective. He doesn't wake, want you to wake up. He doesn't want you to minister to others. He doesn't want you to win anybody else to Christ. And also by defeating you, he's trying to cast shade on the reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something people don't understand. This is why we have an obligation to win. This is why we have an obligation to be healed. This is why we have an obligation to get healed and stay healed. This is why we have an obligation to succeed. This is why we have an obligation to prosper. Because frankly, the world looked at a lot of the church and decided they don't want to be that. Amen. So in that power lunch message inside out, we talked about how we change our lives by changing who we are. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers, even as thy soul prospers. And this is probably a neglected teaching from the New Testament that we are going to prosper and be in health. Say it out loud. We are going to prosper and be in health. Say it again. We are going to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So there's no doubt that if we give the devil a place in our lives, Satan will do his best to ruin our marriages, ruin our financial standing, and ruin our health. Where does sickness come from? I gave you John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly. We, we've been preaching this since day one, January 1, 1984, life more abundant. And this is why the apostle Paul exhorted us in Ephesians 4, 27, neither give place to the devil. The word place there is topos, where we get our word topography. Don't give the devil an inch. Don't give him any place. Don't give him any place. We give, the play, we give the devil a place, though, through unforgiveness. We give the devil a place through judgmentalism. We give the devil a place through bitterness. We give the devil a place through anger. We give the devil a place through drugs or alcohol. And uh, we give the devil a place through food addictions. Don't give the devil a place. Keep your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body under You've met people, and they couldn't control their anger. See, they didn't keep it under. Or they couldn't control their body. We, these, this is not who we are. We are spirit beings. We have a mind, a will, and, and emotions, a soul, and we live in a body. But it ought not be our mind, our will, or our emotions running us, and it ought not be our bodies running us. It should be the spirit man, what... 
It's, it's called in the Old Testament the candle of the Lord that is in charge of our lives. And when we give the devil a place, he establishes a beachhead in our lives for his purpose of stealing, killing, and destroying. Many times we do this without fully understanding the consequences of our actions. But we have been warned. I said we have been warned. We've been warned by the Lord Jesus Christ, Mark 11, 25, and 26. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. And these two verses are the only hindrances to faith that Jesus ever talked about. And so Satan wants to get in. He wants to get in. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that a lot of times when somebody comes along and does us wrong, it's just Satan trying to establish a beachhead and get us to operate in unforgiveness or bitterness or whatever so our faith will be hindered. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, somebody might do me wrong and I might be in my own mind justified in holding it against them, but I don't want my prayers hindered. So I forgive them and I let it go. Can I get an amen? amen. And now we have this mute who had obviously, obviously, been oppressed or possessed by a devil, Matthew 9, 32. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. So he had a demon because Matthew says he had a demon. But we also know, you and I also know, that we've been given authority even over demons. Interestingly, Jesus' religious critics accused Jesus of having a demon. Verse 34, but the Pharisees said it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. And this is what Jesus would later call blasphemy against the Holy Spirit of God, which is attributing the works of God to the devil. You can read about this in Matthew 12, 31 and 32. So there are two scenarios at play here this morning, and I want you to see it. That's why I've tried to go around this situation and give you perspective. First, for you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, do not open doors for the devil to enter your mind, your will, your emotions, or your body. And second, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who ministers to others, you have been given authority over both Satan and his cohorts and sickness and disease. It really doesn't matter what it is, you've been given authority over it. Now this thing of opening doors... The Lord's leading me in another path. Beloved, I wish that thou wouldest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. What is the soul? The mind, the will, the emotions. Ephesians 4, 27, neither give place to the devil. One way we give place to the devil is our mind is like a hallway in a hotel with doors. And behind one door is some, a, a recollection of somebody doing you wrong. And uh, behind another door is some woman that was dressed hot at work last week. And behind another door is the way mom or dad did you. And the human mind is like a, like a hallway in a hotel with a bunch of doors left and right. And... As you're living your life, you're going down through this hallway 
and maybe a door is cracked and you get a little glimpse of something. Kenneth Hagin Sr., the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, said, there's a big difference between a bird flying overhead versus allowing a bird to build a nest in your hair. And so maybe you're walking down through the hallway of life here and there's a door cracked and you get a glimpse of something from the past or may, and, and Satan will bring to your recollection somebody did you wrong, somebody lied about you, somebody despicably used you. That door's cracked open a little bit. But see, it's up to you now. What is the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions? It's up to you. But even your spirit man can over, override your will. So the question is, do you, do you push that door open that's cracked? Do you walk through that door? I, I bet a hundred times a day I say to myself, I'm not going to think about that. And somehow when I think it, it doesn't have as much impact as when I open my mouth and I say, I'm not going to think about that. Because th things, it can't be God doing this. It must be Satan. Brings to your remembrance, somebody lying about you. Brings to your remembrance, something you haven't thought about in 20 years. Brings to your remembrance, somebody doing you wrong. But it's up to you whether you open that door, you walk into that room and you, you dwell in that atmosphere that is toxic. And then as you figure these things out, you get a little sharper and then you want to limit your exposure because what happens is this hallway in life gets longer and longer and longer and stuff the lawyer said, stuff the banker said, stuff the doctor said. And if you hang out with negative, toxic people, then you got 54 more doors of people doing you wrong. And I try and limit the doors. I got enough to deal with in my life. Am I helping anybody? See, the door's there, but you decide whether you go in that room. The opportunity is there, but you decide whether you open that door and you think about that and meditate on that. This is what sexual fantasies are. Now, you can turn this thing around, and, uh, you know, when, when we were meeting at the hotel, I sat in a restaurant and drew the building up at I-30 on a napkin. And so when I would pray, mentally, I'd walk through the building. I mean, we hadn't even talked to a building designer, hadn't talked to a builder. But I mean, in prayer, see, that's a positive room. I can create my own room. This is, this is a gift that God gave man. But we allow Satan to deceive us into misusing this gift. You can use your imagination to think about creating a business. You can use your imagination to think about how to be a blessing to your children. You can use your imagination in all kinds of ways. You can create, you can extend the hallway, but in a positive sense. And then it gives you all these other things to think about. And I know people don't want to hear it in 2023, but making money is a, is a great room to dwell in. Amen. How am I going to make more money? Because, you know, my gosh, you know, the price of eggs and the price of filet mignon and oh my gosh. And now they're putting, you know, bugs and hamburger and all this stuff. So, you know, I got to, I got, it's going to cost more. It's going to cost more. Every day you get up, Lord, give us this day our daily bread and give us more bread because it takes more bread today than it did yesterday. And so it's okay to have a room where you go in there and you think about, now I could invest in this or I could do this and that's a positive room. 
See, anything that's a blessing to the kingdom of God, anything that's a blessing to your marriage, anything that's a blessing to your children, that's all positive. That's all, those are all positive doors to go in there and hang out in that room and dwell in that room and meditate on what's going on in that room. But these other doors, somebody did you wrong, somebody lied about you, somebody cheated you, somebody stole from you, what mom or dad did to you, whatever, all of that's negative. You got to stay out of those areas. And I... I imagine every day of my life, I open my mouth and say out loud, I'm not going to think about that because there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing edifying in that. Amen. 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 And then certainly don't open your mouth and talk about it. Well, let me tell you what they did to me in 1989. Don't do that. I said don't do that because these are the only hindrances to faith that Jesus ever talked about. Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. We have to let go of this stuff. My 50 years experience in preaching the gospel has led me to this approach when I minister to others. I take authority over both spiritual forces and sickness and disease. I come at it with a shotgun, both ways. I take authority over spiritual forces and sickness and disease. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I curse your every work in this person's body and I command you to leave. That's the spiritual because the word says in Colossians 2.15, Jesus, having disarmed powers and authorities, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. One translation, translation says, Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. Colossians 1.13 and 14, for he has rescued us. That's past tense. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us. King James translated us into the kingdom of his son the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And of course, Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. So Satan in the name of Jesus, all of that, it backs up this. Satan in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I curse your every work in this person's body and I command you to leave. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak to this body and I command this body to be healed. I speak a word of command out of John 14. I pray the prayer of faith, Mark 11, 22 to 23. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak to this body and I command it to be healed. Now the other person's got a part to play. They have to exercise their faith. I said the other person's got a part to play. They have to exercise their faith. But this is what I do. And I do not permit Satan to operate in my presence. I said I do not permit Satan to operate in my presence. First, for you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't open doors for the devil to enter your mind, your will, your emotions, or your body. Now, I know there's a bunch of people here this morning and you met your spouse at some club or disco or bar. I get it. But, I mean, think about the madness of it. Think about the madness of it. Think about the madness of it. You're at some bar, some disco, some club, whatever, and you go back to the John. Number one, you, I mean, really, how can you be buying something that is good for you in a John? And you go to the John and somebody's selling whatever and it's in a little plastic bag and it's whatever, 50 bucks or whatever, and they say it's this. How, how do you know that's what it is? I mean, this is actually worse than Fauci. How do you know what it is? How do you know, how do you know what it is? How do you know what it is? Yeah, but they said, really? Are you that dense? 
How do, you, how do you know it's not got too much fentanyl mixed in it? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know that everybody putting that together didn't pick their nose all day? You think it came from some high-quality lab in Boston? How do you know? You don't know nothing. But here you go. But here you go. But here you go. But here you go. Or you meet some, you know, some skanky-looking deal in a miniskirt at the bar. You have no idea what 400 other guys have been inside that. You have no idea what diseases you are going to get. You have no idea. You could spend literally the rest, for a thimble full of sperm experience, you could spend the rest of your life scratching and taking drugs. Yeah, but she hot. <laughs> it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Didn't know I was going to get this real, did you? <laughs> and poor Pastor Sue's over there speaking at 11. She's saying, none of this is in the notes. <laughs> I'm talking about the mind. I'm talking about how that a lot of what goes on in our bodies is because we open doors in our mind, our will, our emotions, and even in our bodies, and we gave the devil an entrance. So Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. And then second, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who ministers to others, you have been given authority. Lift both hands and say, thank you, Father God. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I have been given authority. See, and people don't understand authority. There's policemen in the service here this morning, and, you know, sometimes a light goes out somewhere, and they send a, a policeman to the intersection, and, I mean, it can be dangerous. You got all these cars, you know, a big, huge intersection, hundreds of cars coming and going, and the policeman will just stand out there in the middle, and, and he'll tell these people go, and this person go, and this person do that, and somebody might say, well, why do I need to obey him? Well, because he's got this little thing called a radio. and you do him wrong, well, he's going to call for help. And Jesus is our help. The Holy Spirit of God is our help. He's our helper. So we're not just out here trying to minister to, the, minister to people on our own. We have been sent. We are actually sent once. We have been sent. And the reason we don't see God doing more is because we don't give him the opportunity to do more. If we would venture out. Amen. Venture out. Pray for people. So when you pray for yourself or for others, run the devil out by exercising the authority given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ and as enumerated by the Apostle Paul and then pray the prayer of faith, or speak the word of command in the name of Jesus and expect deliverance, expect healing, of course, 
They have a part to play. They have to believe God along with it. Amen. But I have seen amazing things. But I know this, amazing things only happen when I venture out to minister to others. But he wants to do more. How many of you understand that to get the attention of this generation, we're going to see a, we need to see a mighty move of God if we're going to arrest the attention of this generation. And operating as usual is not going to get it done. We need to see God move. And we need to see God move through us. Let's bow our heads. I want to give you an opportunity to make your commitments and decisions for the Lord this morning. How many this morning would say, Pastor Gina, I've never become a Christian. I've never given my life to the Lord through his son, Jesus of Nazareth. I've never confessed my sins to God. But I want to. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to God. See, Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. He didn't say it was a good idea. He didn't say it was highly recommended. He said, you must be born again. In Revelation 3, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. So you and I have been given an awesome opportunity, a great privilege by God, and that is the opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of our lives. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if we'll confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Hell is a horrible place. The Bible talks about hell three times as much as it talks about heaven. You don't want to go there. And you don't want to be run by the devil in this life. You want to be free, healed, forgiven, and made a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be included in this prayer as we conclude this message this morning. Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Pray for me, Pastor. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. There, yes. Anyone else? There may be others here this morning. There was a time in your life you prayed this kind of a prayer. You told God that you loved him, that you'd live for him, and you meant it when you prayed it. <laughs> but maybe you, maybe you never heard sermons like this, and maybe you opened doors, and so you went back to the same old lifestyle, back to the same old friends, back to the same habits, and you find yourself here this morning on April 30, 2023, and you're backslidden. You're not living for the Lord like you once did. You're not living for the Lord like you promised him you would. The word of God says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm backslidden. I'm away from God. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should, but I don't want to live in a backslidden condition, not another day. I want to recommit my life to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift up, lift your hand up to, high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Anyone else this morning? For the sake of these that have raised their hands, I want everybody in the room, let's stand up. Let's give people an opportunity to take action on the Word of God this morning. If you raise your hand for either invitation, I want you to be bold about it. Gather up your belongings. Step boldly into the aisle. Join me here at the front. We're going to pray. And if you did not raise your hand for salvation or to recommit your life to the Lord, but you, you sense the Spirit of God tugging on your heart, something inside of you, prodding you, go, 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 this is your day, then I want you to be bold about it. Step out, join us here at the front. We're going to pray. For those of you watching online, you can join with us. Believe God, give your heart to God. Amen. God bless you.
Give your life to God. Recommit yourself to the Lord. Right here. That's great. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Everybody in the room, if you're giving your life to the Lord online, you know, it's so funny how many people, we're actually reaching more people now in our services than we ever did on nationwide broadcast television. I think it's great. It goes all over the world for anybody who's hungry. Everybody in the room, let's pray this way together for this woman who's recommitting her life to the Lord. Father God, I give you my life. And time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But I turn from that old way of living. And I shut those doors on the devil. And I give you my life. Jesus' holy name. I ask that you would forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. Put within my heart your word, a, a spirit of forgiveness and loving kindness and grace and mercy like you have, Father God. And I thank you for not rejecting me, but for receiving me unto yourself and into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. If you would go with this gentleman right here, we're going to give you a book, God's Very Own Child, get you right back in the service as quick as we can. Let's give God thanksgiving for her. Amen. You may be seated if you're watching at home and uh, you prayed that prayer with us as a prayer of commitment. You can reach us at fccarlington.com salvation. Let us know about your decision. We'd love to send you a copy of my book, God's Very Own Child.